0: that's ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VTW group void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
0: Welcome to Get Connected with Nina Del Rio, a weekly conversation about fitness, health, and happenings in our community on 106.7 Light FM. Good morning, and thanks for listening to Get Connected. The impact of the pandemic has been on far more than just our health. It's been financial. It's been social. It's been logistic. Because of this, it's also forced many nonprofits and the people they serve to rethink how they give and receive assistance. Our guest is Kasumi Quinlan. She's community manager at Lemon Tree Foods, an organization that changed their strategy entirely in 2020 to become a key resource for New Yorkers seeking food assistance. Kasumi, thank you for being on the show.
1: Hi, Nina. Thank you so much for having us.
0: The Lemon Tree Food Helpline helps food insecure New Yorkers find the support they need seven days a week. We're going to talk about the food helpline, but let's start by talking about Lemon Tree's history. Kasumi, this was always a nonprofit, but your model was very different when the organization began.
1: Yes, definitely. So like many people, our daily routine and sort of overall mission has changed a lot over the past year since the COVID pandemic began. Um, Before all this started, we were actually a meal kit delivery company for lower-income families, so selling recipes and all the ingredients to cook that and delivering them to public schools. However, of course, we all know public schools closed, and at the time, we had no idea when things were going to change, turn around, when schools were going to reopen, so we decided rather than sort of twiddling our thumbs and waiting for the right moment to launch, To end our meal kit service and launch a few other projects that could help in the meantime. Uh, We launched this volunteering initiative to send volunteers to food pantries and food banks, but more importantly we launched this emergency food helpline to help connect New Yorkers to the food resources that are available.
0: So this is a helpline you can call seven days a week. It's free, the Lemon Tree Food Helpline. New Yorkers can speak to a live person to find a food pantry, soup kitchen, apply for food stamps. Why a helpline in particular? Why was that the best answer to the need out there?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, speaking from my own personal perspective, I'm, you know, a younger person. I'm constantly on my computer and social media anyways. And I had access to all this information, which is a lot more than other people have. But at the same time, even though I was seeing all the information that was there, it was really hard to sort through everything and, figure out what was up to date and uh, what was accurate and what what people were actually offering. And I can only imagine as a busy parent or maybe somebody who doesn't have a great internet connection, somebody who doesn't have the patience to just stare at a screen researching all day, you'd want a simpler way to just get the information that you need. I think we've all had that sort of frustrating experience with like, A customer service phone line, for example, where you have to wait on hold for forever and press a bunch of buttons to navigate an automated system. So I think, like you said, where the helpline really stands out is the fact that every person who calls or texts in is having a conversation with a real human being. And all of our agents are here to listen to your situation, understand what it is that you need, and give you the information that makes sense for you. So you don't have to spend the time sort of researching and figuring it out on your own.
0: When you talk about researching for the consumer or for the user, it's one thing, but the other end is kind of interesting too. It's hard to think that even before the pandemic, about 20% of New Yorkers were dependent on some sort of food assistance. And there are, in fact, hundreds of organizations feeding people in New York City. In doing this work, What have you sort of discovered or uncovered about the interconnectedness of all these organizations? Do they share resources or data? Who's online? That kind of thing.
1: Mm, Absolutely. That's a great question. I think the biggest lesson for me so far is no matter how robust your system is and no matter how much coordination there is happening, like there are so many people on the ground, so many organizations who are working really hard to support our neighbors in need there are going to be a few people who fall through the cracks and that's the hard truth of it. So that's why I think it's important for all of these organizations to continue doing what they're doing and hopefully catch each other's, you know, act as safety nets for each other. We've definitely had a lot of callers who have tried to reach out to other organizations and of course some have great reviews, but some people they never got that call back or they never really got the full support that they needed. So I think it's, um, it would be a lie to say we're the only people doing a good job at this, but I think it just goes to show that we all have to work together.
0: Or that you're just essential to kind of help them find what needs to be addressed. You don't mm-hmm. necessarily ask for private information of the callers, but what kind of statistics are you keeping that have been the most helpful for you and your partners?
1: So we always ask for a name just um, so we can kind of provide good customer service. So that next time, you know, all of our callers, we actually follow up with a call a week later to see if they need anything else. And that way on the call, I'll be able to say, hey, Nina, it's Kasumi. We spoke last week. How are you doing? Um, And sometimes we'll ask for address if a person needs location-based resources. But it's totally confidential, and people don't have to give those specifics if they don't want to. Um, In terms of demographic questions, the main thing that we're interested in uh, is two pieces. So, one, we ask if callers have SNAP benefits, and if not, are they interested in applying? And we also ask if they've ever visited a food pantry before. And interestingly enough, more than half of our callers have never visited a food pantry before. So I think it goes to show um, one really important part of what we do is helping newly food-insecure New Yorkers navigate the emergency food system. It's really hard and overwhelming to go to a food pantry for the first time or apply for SNAP benefits on your own if these are things that you've never had to deal with before.
0: To use the Lemon Tree Food Helpline, you can text FOOD to 90847 to talk to a real person seven days a week. You can also visit their website, foodhelpline.org. We're speaking with Kasumi Quinlan of Lemon Tree Foods. This is Get Connected on 106.7 Light FM. And again, you don't take information from the people generally, but to help them, you kind of need a general idea of where they are. Where do most of the callers live?
1: Yeah, so our services cover all five boroughs of New York City, so we definitely get quite a range. I would say most of our callers are coming from the Bronx, um, sort of around the Fordham area, maybe Morris Heights as well as East Brooklyn, so um, East New York, Brownsville, bed And we also get quite a few callers from the Elmhurst and Corona area in Queens. But again, we do get calls from all over the place.
0: So you're designed to help people access food pantries and soup kitchens, but callers are also asking about other sorts of things, all other sorts of things too, yeah?
1: Absolutely. So it's probably not surprising that people who are struggling to find food are also struggling to pay their rent or find school supplies for their children. And while our helpline does specialize in finding food resources, we've gotten the other questions enough times that we're ready to help people in these other areas. So with, you know, financial assistance, finding winter coats, we're not able to provide that direct assistance, but we can always point somebody in the right direction. You ha- we never want to leave a caller with no help.
0: You have said that Lemon Tree Foods is now on the radar of the city, and city organizations will refer people to you. Why Lemon Tree versus, say, three one
1: one? Um, To be honest, that's a question I have been asking myself as well. When callers call in, we usually ask them how they heard about us because it helps us track, you know, where people are coming from. And we've had quite a few callers that say, They've been directed to us by the Department of Health or the City's Test and Trace Program, and even 311 itself, actually. Um, And my best guess is that 311 is just so overwhelmed with all types of requests that they're starting to direct people to more specialized areas of assistance. Um, So, yeah, I think they're just starting to outsource things.
0: Can you, let's say, just answer one of the basic questions you get? Um, If someone wants to apply for SNAP benefits, for instance, how long does it take before you can start actually using the program?
1: So it's all on a case-by-case basis, but typically, last I checked, if your application is fully submitted, means you're not missing any documents, you've answered all the questions, you'll have a decision in a week. Sometimes it can take up to a month to receive your SNAP card in the mail, as well as all the information you need to set up your account. Um, So those are the dates that are formally posted on the HRA website. But just anecdotally from our callers, it does take longer sometimes. Um, However, I'd say a safe answer is about a month from your application submission to when you can start using your benefits.
0: As someone who takes these calls all day, has been taking them for months, how have you seen the questions or topics evolve since the pandemic began? Or even the callers, the evolution of who's calling?
1: Mm, That's such a great question. So I've always felt the need through these calls. People are in really difficult situations, and that has not changed since the beginning of the pandemic. I think one of the biggest differences in the calls we're having now is at this point, people have tried a lot a lot of other avenues. They've tried 311, you know, they've tried other organizations and they still need more help. Another trend I've noticed is that recently we've been getting a lot of calls from people who have actually contracted COVID and that's why they are, you know, not able to work, not able to afford food, not able to go out to a food pantry. And that wasn't as true at the beginning of the pandemic, but Now we're hearing from entire households, you know, five, six people who are all quarantined.
0: Without getting too personal, although you did mention your age or that you feel like you're younger, (laughs) I would guess that you and your, I would guess your fellow staff members are probably primarily younger than the average nonprofit volunteer. Have you and your colleagues thought about younger people doing this work and maybe if there's been a change in the way younger people want to be involved?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I think that there's a great opportunity for younger people to get involved because there are so many places that you can volunteer virtually now. And I think, of course, that's where are a lot of younger volunteers like so. Um, they'll learn quickly. They'll adapt quickly. They might be familiar with a lot of the tools that many organizations have had to transition to. So I think it's really promising um, for, you know, even high school students, maybe even younger, to get involved.
0: Assistance at the Food Helpline is also available in Spanish. I wonder, what's the ratio of English to Spanish-speaking callers, and is there a plan to add other languages?
1: I believe at the moment it's about a 70-30 split, uh, so 70% English, 30% Spanish speakers. We are hoping to add more languages in the future, but I don't have a specific timeline for that.
0: Yeah, I I imagine you're so busy right now, but have you also given thought to how Lemon Tree evolves after the pandemic, the Lemon Tree Helpline, how it evolves?
1: We're definitely looking at this as a long-term project. COVID isn't going anywhere soon, but we know that the need resulting from this pandemic is going to last even longer than that, and it's not limited to New York City. So I think we definitely have our eye on some geographic expansion and just really making sure that our service is the best it can be. So that means continuing to hire amazing staff members, being really thorough about checking the resources that we're sharing with people and just making sure that people have an amazing experience when they reach out to us.
0: How is the work of the Lemon Tree Food Helpline funded?
1: So Lemon Tree is um, entirely funded by private donations. Our CEO, Alex, is a really wonderful fundraiser, but we've also worked with the Robin Hood Foundation um, to receive some grants for them.
0: But we could also, so our listeners could actually donate and help you do your work, is what you're saying.
1: Absolutely. You can (laughs) visit us at lemontreefoods.org, and there's a donate button on our website.
0: And if someone needs help, I'll ask you just to repeat um, how they can access the Food Helpline, if you would, Kasumi.
1: So you can visit us at foodhelpline.org, or you can text the word FOOD to nine zero eight four seven. Si hablas español, puedes contactarnos por enviar un mensaje con la palabra comida al número 90847.
0: Kasumi Quinlan is from Lemon Tree Foods, operating the Lemon Tree Food Helpline website, foodhelpline.org. Thank you for joining me on Get Connected. This has been Get Connected with Nina Del Rio on 106.7 Light FM. The views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. If you missed any part of our show or want to share it, visit our website for downloads and podcasts at 1067lightfm.com. Thanks for listening.